Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of John. Happy Tuesday, friends and faithful listeners. My name is Jen. I am the host here of this podcast. And today we're going to be discussing John chapter 6, verses 22 through 40 today. And I'm excited to start on this portion of scripture because this is something that I have done multiple times, like to God. And in fact, <laughs> in fact, I did this recently. So this is going to be interesting to talk about. So let's go ahead and read John chapter 6, verses 22 through 40. But uh, before we begin, a quick recap as to what is going on in John so far. Jesus was on the other side of Capernaum, and he had just miraculously fed 5,000 people, actually probably more than 5,000 people. He miraculously fed them literally like bread from heaven, basically bread and fish from heaven, and uh, multiplied it to all these people. And after that, Jesus sent the people away because they were becoming almost riotous in a way. They were about to like force Jesus to become their king, which Jesus did not want to do. That was not his end goal. So he sent the crowds away, or rather Jesus retreated up the mountain and the disciples sent the crowds away. The disciples get into the boat without Jesus. Jesus walks on water to meet them. (laughs) This is like all happening in one day. Jesus walks on the water to meet them, and then the disciples let him into the boat after being horrified of seeing somebody walk on the water towards them, because nobody does that. And so the disciples realized it was Jesus, and Jesus got into the boat with them, and immediately they were on the other side. So now we're going to see what happens. Jesus and his disciples are on the other side of the shore, and the multitude is coming towards Jesus. So let's read John chapter 6, verses 22 through 40. On the next day, the multitude that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the one in which his disciples had embarked, and that Jesus hadn't entered with his disciples into that boat, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they had ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the multitude therefore saw that Jesus wasn't there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Most certainly I tell you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which remains to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For God the Father has sealed him. They said therefore to him, What must we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. They said therefore to him, What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus therefore said to them, Most certainly I tell you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread out of heaven, but my father which gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said therefore to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you that you have seen me, and yet you don't believe. All those whom the Father gives me will come to me, 
He who comes to me, I will in no way throw out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of my father who sent me, that of all he has given to me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise him up in the last day. This is the will of the one who sent me, that everyone who sees the son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, as you can see, the multitude that was fed by Jesus went to go searching for him in verses 22 through 25. And so they went to the other side of the sea and they saw that there was no other boats there except the one which the disciples had left in. And remember, like I said at the beginning, and if you tuned in before or read this before, you know that Jesus did not enter into that boat until like hours later when he saw them like struggling against the winds. Jesus walked on the water towards the disciples and then got into the boat. Of course, the crowds did not see that. So they assumed that Jesus did not get into that boat at all. <laughs> and so they're like out searching for Jesus. So they see the boat that the disciples had embarked on and they're like, oh, that's the only boat over here. Jesus didn't get into that boat. Let's go search for him someplace else. Not realizing that Jesus had, in fact, gotten into that boat, you know, by walking on the Sea of Galilee. So they go searching for Jesus. They're like crossing over the river and whatever. And finally, they find him. And we find out later on that Jesus was actually, I think, in a temple at this point. They find him in this temple. And so they find him. And they ask him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Because they're like, what in the world just happened? All of a sudden he's here. How did he get here? We didn't see any other boats except for the one that the disciples left in. So how, how did he get here? So they ask him, like, how did you get here? When did you come here? And so Jesus answers them without answering them. He says, most certainly I tell you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So Jesus doesn't answer their question. He wasn't going to answer that question and be like, hey, I walked on the water to get over here because uh, the crowds didn't need to know that yet. You know, this wasn't relayed to us until like years after this happened. And Jesus didn't do like a lot of like really miraculous things in front of the people. Like, I shouldn't say that. He, I mean, he fed the 5,000. He did a lot of miraculous things for people, but some of the most miraculous things he only showed to his disciples. For example, the walking on the water, the um, the transformation uh, of Jesus on the mountain when he, you know, was shown his pure glory, basically. Those things were really only meant for the disciples' eyes. And even the healing of the young girl, the, the raising of the dead of the young girl, uh, that was another miraculous sign that he only showed a couple of people. So Jesus, the, the most miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus did, a lot of times were not for the public eye. So he's not going to tell these multitudes like, hey, I walked on the water to get over here. Instead, he <laughs> avoids their question and just tells them like, look, the only reason you're looking for me is because, you know, you were eating those loaves that I provided to you guys yesterday. That's the only reason you want to find me. Then Jesus gives them a warning here in verse 27. Don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which remains to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for God the Father has sealed him. So what Jesus is saying is like, look, don't work just for like earthly things. Because clearly that's what you're doing here. You didn't try to find me because of the, the gospel I'm giving you. You're only trying to find me because of the loaves that I fed you yesterday. And so you can see another sign and wonder. So he's like, work for the things of heaven, 
We see Jesus saying that actually quite a lot where he's like, don't store up your treasures here on earth, you know, where moths and rust and thieves come in and steal all that stuff. This is kind of the the same concept here that Jesus is giving these people. Don't work for food which perishes, but for the food which remains to eternal life. So they said, therefore, to him, what must we do that we may work the works of God? And this is why (laughs) I said at the beginning of this, this is something I have asked God so many times and still do on multiple occasions. I'm just like, and I'm sure that you guys can relate to this. I have prayed many times like, God, what do you just want me to do? Can you just like give me like a guidebook for my life every single step that I can take so that I do the right thing? (laughs) I don't know how many times I've said that to God over the years. And that's basically what these people are doing. They're like, what must we do that we may work the works of God? But, you know, just tell us what those things are and how we do them exactly so that we can keep getting this like bread from you, these signs and these wonders and this provision from you, like show us what we can do. And that's that's the same motivation I have when I ask God to like give me a guidebook for my life. I'm like, God, can you give me this guidebook? Because I just want to do everything perfectly so that, you know, my life lines up exactly how I want it to line up. So, I mean, that's kind of the thing Like God doesn't often work that way where he just like tells somebody directly what to do in order to, you know, like fix their life or whatever, which I'm sure in some cases he has done that. But that is not consistently what we see God do in the Old and New Testaments. Rather, he gives us the Bible and we are supposed to look at the Bible and use that to guide our lives. But God doesn't want to like just, you know, tell us to do things because then at that point, in a sense, the free will is sort of taken away. And I mean, some of you guys might be like, well, free will doesn't exist. Personally, I think it does because God has made it clear from the beginning that he doesn't want people to just like blindly follow him without any will of their own, which is why in the the beginning of the beginning, he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden so that people could make their own choice, which of course we did. We chose to sin against God, follow our own way. But regardless, like, think about it this way. Like, <laughs> this drives me nuts when my husband does this to me. Like, for example, when we're when we're in like a spat, he'll be like, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll go do it. And I'm like, I don't want you to ask me that question because I want you to just go do it. You know, like I want you to do the right thing and then just go do it. I don't want to have to like direct you. It's kind of the same way I can imagine that like God is with us. He doesn't want to just like tell us exactly what to do. He gives us you know, the guidebook for our life, which is the Bible. But he's not going to just be like, here, this is exactly what you need to do for every step of the way, because that takes away free will. But that's what these Israelites are asking Jesus to do for them. And this makes a lot of sense based upon who the Israelites are, because they had the law. You know, I mean, God had basically kind of done that for the Israelite nation um, by giving them the law. I mean, that was a guidebook for their lives, how to properly live it out. Of course, the Israelites of Jesus's time period were not properly following the law at all, but they're asking Jesus to give them the perfect guidebook. And uh, Jesus is like, yeah, that's not happening because God the Father already gave you one and you didn't even follow that. (laughs) He doesn't say that, but I can imagine that's that's part of it. You know, I mean, how many times has Jesus said to the people, like, I already gave you signs. I already gave you what you wanted to see. God, the father already gave you this stuff and you never followed it the right way. 
So then Jesus answers them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So that is the first step that Jesus gives these people in answer to their question. They're like, Jesus, give us a guidebook so that we follow everything perfectly so that things line up for us. And Jesus is like, first and foremost, believe in the one whom God has sent to you. And really, if you think about it, that is the perfect guidebook for our lives. Having faith in Jesus. Like having faith in Jesus, even though we're going to continue to sin and we're going to continue to fall short all the time, we have been given grace and we have been given the Bible to show us how to properly live our lives. So in a sense, God has given us a guidebook of how to live our lives. Unfortunately, um, I often want more. I just want like the correct answer every single time, you know. So they said to Jesus after this, they're like, what do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you do? So they get mad at Jesus for like telling them that they have to work for God's kingdom. They're like, what do you do? What are you giving us? What sign do you show us? And then they say in verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them the bread out of heaven to eat. And so uh, they're trying to manipulate Jesus. They're like, look, God, the father gave our ancestors bread every single day. You know, so you should be giving us this bread that you gave us yesterday or the day before or whatever. You should be giving us that all the time because that's what God, the father would do. (laughs) They're trying to like manipulate Jesus. I, you know, now that I'm like really reading this because I've read this before and I've kind of more so just glossed over the people's responses I'm like shocked at how patient Jesus was with them during this entire encounter, because really a lot of this stuff is like fighting words. They're like, they're like not trusting in God, the father, they're not trusting in Jesus. They're not like trusting at all. And they're saying like, you haven't done anything for us. You know, if we would believe you, if you provided that bread to us every single day, you only provided it to us once and you're not giving it to us again. And I mean, the multitude of people who were fed by Jesus, I'm sure the the bread was a big factor in all of this, because once again, a lot of these people would have been more on the poorer side. But regardless of that fact, bread was a lot harder to come by in these days than it is now with all of our like processed foods and and fake foods. (laughs) Uh, Back in these days, it was a little harder to come by, you know, so they want Jesus to provide them with food every single day of their lives so that they don't ever have to work for it. And they're manipulating. They're trying to manipulate Jesus by saying that's what God would do. God would provide us with bread every single day of our lives because that's what he did for our ancestors in the wilderness. So Jesus says to them, most certainly I tell you, it wasn't Moses who gave you that bread out of heaven, but my father, which gives you the true bread out of heaven for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. I mean, look at look at what Jesus says. That that's just such a wonderful response to that. He's like, "Yeah, my father did provide you with that bread in the wilderness. And now he's providing you with more bread, the bread that comes out of heaven." Now, at this point, the people don't realize that Jesus is speaking of himself. They're just like, "Lord, give us this bread always." In verse 34, they're like, "Yeah, great. He gives us bread, so give it to us." And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In other words, 
Jesus is like, look, God, the father already blessed you with true bread from heaven, which is me. That's what he says. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now we're going to find out that this response actually angers the people. Partially because they don't get what they think they want. You know, they want like physical bread. You know, they want the the signs and the wonders from Jesus. So they don't like the response because of that. Secondly, they don't like the response because they believe Jesus is being like blasphemous in saying that. But we'll talk about that more in a second. But the fact of the matter is Jesus is offering them spiritual bread. And he even talks about how he's also the water the bread of life and then the water of life in a way, just as he talked about himself like that with the woman at the well, where he told the woman at the well, I am the, uh, the, the water, basically. So then he says in verse 36, but I told you that you've seen me and yet you didn't believe. I mean, that's so true. Jesus has been mentioning how he's the bread this entire time, but these people are only focused on the like physical bread that they can eat. And then in verse 37, all those whom the father gives me will come to me. He who comes to me, I will in no way throw out for I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of my father who sent me that of all he has given to me, I should lose nothing, but should raise him up in the last day. This is just the salvation message that uh, that Jesus is giving these people about how Jesus is the bread of life and anybody who trusts in Jesus and believes in Jesus will never thirst nor hunger again. But what Jesus is talking about is not like physical thirst and hunger, but spiritual thirst and hunger. And I mean, man, there is a spiritual darkness like epidemic happening in the world where people are just like searching and searching and searching for like spiritual satisfaction, but they're not finding it because they don't believe in Jesus or rather they don't want to believe in Jesus. But if only these people would come to Jesus, they wouldn't have that spiritual darkness anymore. They would be satisfied. They would be filled. And I mean, spiritual satisfaction is truly one of the, it's the only great joy in life. It's the only way to truly achieve joy. I know that for a fact on my own life. My husband has a similar testimony where um, my husband was extremely depressed for years for many, many years. He doesn't talk about it much, but he was living in complete and total spiritual darkness before he met me to the point of just um, depression and, and suicidal thoughts and tendencies. Finally, when he like put his faith in Jesus, his life turned around and he realized at that point that he didn't have joy in those earlier days because he was living in his own form of hell in a sense like his own form of like spiritual darkness which cannot give you true joy like it just cannot and it wasn't until after putting his faith in Jesus that he started he started to experience true joy and that's the same with me like I always had a uh, I guess a faith that God was real but I never really put my trust in God I was kind of a different case I was like a very lukewarm Christian for years. I called myself a Christian. I believed that God existed, but I was not really willing to do anything for God. It wasn't until I truly put my faith in God that I started to experience true joy. So there really is something about Jesus being the water of life and the bread of life. Like there's a a certain amount of satisfaction one gets when they truly believe in Jesus. 
And I mean, that's what Jesus is trying to express to these people here. He's trying to say, like, look, like you can be spiritually satisfied. But unfortunately, these people are not wanting this. They're not wanting spiritual satisfaction. They're only wanting like the things of this earth, like the things of this life. And I mean, that's the battle actually that Jesus talks about quite a lot. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. You can't like have your treasures here on earth and also have them in heaven. There has to be like a disconnect from the world in order to experience spiritual freedom in a sense, because we have to put all that faith in Jesus rather than the things of the world. And I mean, this just goes back to what Jesus said in verse 27. Don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which remains to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for God the Father has sealed him. So, I mean, this bread that Jesus offers us is eternal. The stuff on earth is temporary. The stuff that we get here on earth is so temporary because all of us are going to die. That is just a fact of the fallen nature that we live in. And so Jesus has come to offer us hope from that, that even though we die, we don't have to die permanently. We can have eternal life through him. But in order to do that, we have to put our trust fully in Jesus and not to trust in the temporary things of this world. Hey guys, so check out the uh, website. I'm still giving away two free chapters of my book, Out of the Mire, when you sign up for the email list and you'll receive those chapters in your inbox. Now, of course, if you end up liking the book, you can get it on Amazon. That is linked in the description of this episode, along with the uh, other books that I've written, including the Alive Coloring Devotionals, which Easter is coming up pretty soon here. And so, yeah, those are going to be a great addition, I think, to your morning routine, potentially, if you enjoy coloring. And also there's one for kids also. So if you have a child or if you have a niece or a nephew or whoever else you know that has a kid, you can gift one of those to a child and they can color along and their parents can read them the little children's devotional in there. But friends and faithful listeners, I do hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it or just write a review. You know, that is an excellent way to let people know that the podcast is out there. Faithful listeners, I will see you bright and early tomorrow morning for an episode out of Deuteronomy. I hope to see you there. I noticed that my Deuteronomy episodes are actually falling behind the New Testament episodes, which is the first time that has ever happened. So I do hope to see you guys in the Old Testament episodes because they're extremely important for understanding the New Testament as well. So I do recommend going and listening to both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Faithful listeners, I will see you guys bright and early tomorrow morning for an episode of Deuteronomy. Until then, happy listening and God bless.